Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void where prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Fellow Falcoholics, what is up? Thank you for your patience. This is the Falcoholic Lives Falcons vs. Cardinals Week 17 post-game show. I'm your host, Kevin Knight at Falcoholic Kevin, joined by my co-host Alan Sturk at Alan Sturk. Alan, how are we doing today? Uh, just trying to find takeaways because we're at that point of season where it's just players are playing, teams are just competing, and I don't know, what is what can we take away from this that's truly meaningful other than Desmond Ritter's development? Yeah, I think that's really the only thing. I mean, the defense is so bad. I mean, it's they literally can't stop anyone. Um, I mean, I didn't love the very, very conservative defense. It's like funny because the, their coverage was so soft, but Dean Pease was extremely aggressive with the blitzes. So it was such a weird like comp. I mean, I guess I get it, you know, but it, the defense is so handicapped in terms of talent. They just, I feel like they can't even run a functional defense. Like it's that far gone. Like this, they had a couple of guys they really couldn't afford to lose. And I think Casey Hayward was one and, uh, Taquan Graham, as surprising as it sounds, was another one. And they are just, I mean, outside of Grady Jarrett, I don't think a single other person on that interior defensive line would start or maybe even be on another NFL roster right now. I mean, maybe Abdullah Anderson. He's, yeah, he's contributing a little bit. Yeah. yeah. Like, he knows how to use his hands, even though it just he has like a moment every game where you want him to finish a play in the backfield and he whiffs. But that can yeah. be common with D tackles. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so I don't want to slander uh, Abdullah Anderson, but everybody else gets slandered for sure. Um, mm. Yeah, the defense is ugly. I mean, I guess we'll start there. We'll get that out of the way. But there are definitely some good things to take away from this game. Like you mentioned, Desmond Ritter's performance was right. one. And then Tyler Algier, again, just being the guy to such an extent mm. where – it would shock me that if if running back is a significant need for this team because of how well he's playing. Um, and it, all this despite a revolving door at left guard that has continued because Elijah Wilkinson was out once again. So um, the run game is definitely something that we can we can call a positive and special teams and all that. But yeah, let's let's start off with the defense because that was by far the most difficult thing to watch in this game. Um, I mean, getting carved up by a, pre- a guy who's been on the practice squad for a couple weeks. On an Arizona passing offense that is down their top receiver, you know, no slander meant towards Greg Dortch. You know, I think he and Hollywood Brown are still pretty good wide receivers, but that offensive line is one of the worst in football. The Falcons could barely generate pressure. Um, Just a really difficult watch, I guess, is the kindest thing I can say. Uh, Very frustrating. The run defense was okay, um, like it usually is, you know. I mean, James Conner was up over 4.9 yards per carry, but... He didn't take over the game, I guess. So David Blau lights you up for 220 plus yards and a touchdown, which is not that many yards in the grand scheme of thing, but still, I mean, he could have had a lot more if his receivers didn't fall mm-hmm. over. So yeah. where, where do you want to start, Alan? Go ahead. Because I did like the blitz push, but part of it, I just don't think the players executed all that well. It just seemed like, yeah, the Cardinals got comfortable 
uh, you know, picking it up, particularly with their running backs. But I just thought it could have been executed better whether it's the linebackers or the safeties. Like it worked well the first round with Isaiah Oliver. Yeah. But then it just whether it was Jalen Hawkins or Sean Evans, Troy Anderson, it just seemed like either they couldn't get off blocks or they just didn't find the right lane. It just I don't know, everything seemed discombobulated. I was like, there's opportunities to be had there. And on the secondary side, just like there could have been at least three or four completions of 20 plus yards yeah. or more. And it's just, I don't understand how Cordell Armstrong still getting snaps. I thought, um, who was it? The offered who had a decent game, but he got away with it here and there. It just seemed like the corners were in a bit of a pickle here now and then. So I stick with a better personnel. This defense would have got exploited pretty bad today. And they kind of got away with it. Yeah. I, I, I shudder to think at what Colt McCoy would have done because I feel like he would have went off for like 300-plus yards even without DeAndre Hopkins. So, um, Well, Colt McCoy, one of the top backups in the league. I, yes, I, yes. When healthy, I would agree. Yes, exactly. Like, Colt McCoy is not a slouch. Like, don't get me wrong, right. but he definitely would have had his way with this defense, and that is rough to see because, like I said, the offensive line is one of the worst in football. The Falcons could barely generate pressure. They, they couldn't generate anything without blitzing. Um, and even when they blitzed, they didn't get home that often. So... The linebackers are definitely a problem spot, too. You know, Troy Anderson, you get it. Like, they're giving him as many reps as he can, but he's not comfortable in zone coverage at all right now. It's just not something he's... That's something that you have to learn. You have to get a lot of experience in to know, like, where to drop and, and where to sort of drift in that coverage. A lot of that is something you pick up over time. I I wasn't expecting Troy Anderson to be used in zone coverage this much. Like, this is a perfect man coverage linebacker that... You know he doesn't have zone instincts, so I just the fact that they just keep dropping him in zone over and over again and just watching him get shredded. It's like, it's not helping him, Troy Anderson. I mean, I guess it's giving him experience, which is maybe all they care about. But um, I, I really thought he'd get more opportunities in man coverage with his athleticism. And they just, I feel like they put him in the worst possible position. Yeah. I, well said. I just wish, man, maybe because he's just still raw, but like this is instincts. I just wish he could identify yeah. plays better. Cause seeing all the snaps he's played now, I thought he was better against Baltimore last week, but today was just more of the same where it's just like he seems to step behind or he's just not anticipating as quickly as enough. Because you see like certain linebackers in the league, they just know explode right away, like just telegraph a play and hit on it. But between him and, and I thought Richie Grant, like we talk about size concerns, it just seemed like him trying to cover Trey McBride. There was like multiple occasions where yeah. McBride just used his body and made plays over him. And just someone that you want to see – attempt to cover safeties it's a bit alarming that Richie Grant just doesn't quite you know he has decent coverage but he just can't make plays on the ball yeah I think uh I think it's one of those things where the defensive needs are coming into clearer focus um and I think safety is absolutely up there Jalen Hawkins simply doesn't have the range on the back end um Mm -hmm. and and honestly Grant hasn't been that much better but um they they're not this past defense is so vulnerable deep because the safeties just can't get they have to play them so deep that it takes them out of the run game and they're just, they don't have the range to make plays even when they are back there. So it, I think their safety situation puts the Falcons in a big bind. Um, so I do think, you know, we talked about Jesse Bates and, and free agency for safety. And I do think that's a place that they're going to go spend to get a veteran in here. Cause they desperately need a high end safety. The safety is so important in DMP's defense and, and Richie Grant, Jalen Hawkins. I think we had all the hope in the world for them. I do think they will look, better with an actual pass rush in front of them just like everybody in the secondary will but Mm. i don't think you can go into 2023 with that duo both starting i think you you probably 
they're probably going to go with Grant and give him more opportunities, which I don't disagree with. I think he can still do it, but they need that blue chip guy across from Grant. Like they need somebody that's really going to actually provide high end play, uh, considering how important the position is. Yeah, and I believe Hawkins is a Dimitrov pick, correct? Yes, that's right. Twenty twenty. And, and we've already seen how Macal Walker has kind of been uh, pushed to the wayside. So I, yeah. I can see you know Smith and Fun are trying to prioritize their guys. I know it might not be right at times, but it's just how organizations, particularly new regimes, even though uh, I'll stop saying new regime because we're about two full seasons now. Yeah, it's not really yeah. a new regime anymore, but the current regime with their personnel, they're going to go all the way invested in it. Yeah. And Jalen Hawkins is a really good third safety. Like I think I him, he's certainly like a, I would say he's like a fringe starter at the NFL level. So having mm-hmm. him, I mean, you're not going to cut him or anything, but I, I think you're looking for more from your starter. Um, mm-hmm than Hawkins at this point. And we're just going to have to hope that Grant can look better with the pass rush in front of him. And I, I think it will, particularly because Grant's skill set, he's so aggressive. And I, I think he really tries to play it that way. But when the defense, when the offense has so much time, like his aggressiveness is going to get used against him a lot. And he's going to, I don't think like having him cover deep for like three, four five seconds is really going to be a beneficial place for him to be. And, um, I'm hoping that that he's one guy that in particular will look a lot better when they get an, a real NFL defensive line in here. Um, we still obviously have a long way to go with that, but um, yeah, just really disappointing game. Um, AJ Terrell, I thought had a good performance, of course, and Isaiah Oliver, maybe one of his best games of the season. Yes. Um, so that's, that's nice to see. Um, but yeah, it's, it wasn't good at all against, a Cardinals offense that really shouldn't have been this effective. Uh, but I mean, you look at the raw stats, it really doesn't look that bad. Falcons held an opponent under 20 points for like the fourth straight game. Right. So it's just like the ugliest possible low scoring game that I've ever seen. They pulled it off and like, they did yeah. get hosed by the officials too. Like D Alford's DPI. That was one of the worst calls I've ever seen. So yeah, I, mean, I don't know what happened there. Yeah. So yeah, like even just, then, yeah, it's it's yeah. it's just they're going against backup competition. Yeah. So that's why like yeah. how much stock you put into it. Like it's it's kind of like last year where they had like an a stretch of games where it was just going against backup caliber QBs, and now we're seeing yeah. it again. So it's just I don't know. These games are so hard to dissect. It's like okay, you want to see what, what film is on the field, and you want to assess the talent, but it's just like a lot of it's you know you see the play action, and you see the the draws, and it's just like. You know, it's so easy to get chunk yards on his defense. That's the thing. And then it just feels like the Cardinals left a lot of plays out in the field, which you expect a functional offense to be able to uh, you know, produce. Yeah. Yeah. So it's sort of like, I, so I don't, I don't give the defense a pass at all because it's like this defense, they did get hosed by some bad calls, but like at least three plays Cardinals receivers just like tripped or, or just dropped a pass. So I think that sort of cancels out uh, and it makes this still pretty poor game <laughs> by the defense in general. Mm-hmm. Um, the offense, it wasn't pretty either. Uh, and and I, I do want to give Desmond Ritter a lot of props because there were some really like, if you wanted to pick his best throws from this game, there was a lot here to really like. Um, and I think there were some top end throws that give you a lot of hope. I mean, it's still not a great day. 19 of 26, very high completion percentage here, so that's nice. But just 169 yards. Um, the Falcons basically relied on the run game to take them home again, and and that's fine. You know, the run game was did show up uh, today. It wasn't one of their best outings, but it was it was enough to get it done. 
Um, but really, like, I think Ritter, especially late, he put together some some very good drives, and he kept this one in play and, and ultimately did come away with, with exactly what they needed to close this game out and get the win. So he has a, his first game-winning drive. Um, he gets his first win. I know everyone's mad about the draft pick. We're, like, you know, we're going to talk about that too. But um, it's ultimately, to me, it's like, if you want Ritter to be the future or have any future with this team, he can't start. He can't be zero and four going into twenty twenty three. There's no way they yeah. give him this, the reins when he's zero and four. Um, so getting this one win, I think, is really important for him. Even if it wasn't the prettiest, um, there were some some throws that I, I I mean, there were some wow throws in this, and that's that's what you're looking for. Um, that you're just those glimmers of hope enough to convince you to to not trade up for a quarterback because that's what the Falcons are going to have to do if they want C.J. Stroud or Bryce Young. Um, I, I think he's shown enough now with two sort of positive games in a row with the Ravens game uh, and this game where, again, the Falcons got hosed by officials and took t- had touchdowns taken off the board. Um, so, yeah, what, do you, what did you think about Ritter's performance today? Uh, Before we get, get said, you, you really thought the Patterson t- that should have been a touchdown because we, yeah. yeah, I think so. I, yeah, I think I agree with the rule, like in with better rule set. I'm just I've kind of succumbed to the rules now, where it's just like if he doesn't control possession, I'm just so used to. It. Like I think back in what ten years ago, absolutely, but now it's just I don't know. The NFL is kind of with their flawed rules just yeah. ingrained into my brain where I'm just like, I just accept that if you don't have full possession for a good, like two seconds afterwards, it's not going to be it. But that said, his body was down and yeah, I, I think that, yeah. yeah, I agree. I agree with what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. It's just at this point, I'm just like, all right, I guess not. Like, I don't know. NFL just kind of like beat into my brain, but nevertheless, like, yeah, I thought Ritter definitely had a good performance. I, that throw it to Mirror Bird. What a thing of beauty. I, mm-hmm. well, do you want to talk about egregious calls? The, the, yeah. At least a second or two, a minimum a second, potentially two seconds, where uh, I, I don't know what, who the DB was, but like he had a grip of oh, his yeah. arm, like right here. Like it couldn't have been more evident. Textbook. Textbook. And it's just like, it's just such a blatant miss. But, you know, I, you still see the report there with London strong. I love there was one play where the pocket was collapsing and he kind of like his pocket moving and just awareness in general much improved this week. You know, I just think, look, playing at home, uh, favorable opponent, uh, not having against two arguably top 10 defenses because I think New Orleans defense is still very much legit. And Baltimore's defense since Roquan got there has been unbelievable. So I think just finally, being in a better environment certainly helped, but you could tell like Arthur Smith put him in positions where it's just like, okay, we're gonna get the ball quickly. Let's get into some sort of rhythm. You know, we're not gonna create these five, seven step drops where you're throwing goal balls downfield like it was against New Orleans. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it was good to see Smith acclimate his uh, game plan a little bit too Ritter and they ultimately produced the result, even though I felt like you know the throws were pretty standard. Like I would like there was a few wild throws, but it wasn't anything that I don't know. I just think given, I guess, the offense, we should keep our expectations relatively low rather than expect some sort of like, I don't know, Trevor Lawrence-esque thing right now. I think I think you have to grade it on a curve to some extent yeah. because without Kyle Pitts, there's just nothing else other than Drake London out there. I mean, yeah. Michael Pruitt, I think, is a perfectly serviceable tight end, but like Drake London is the only passing game threat. Ritter has no rapport whatsoever with Alameda Zacchaeus right now. It's it's sad to, to say it, but yeah, there's, not, there's nothing there and you know, Kadero Hodge and, and Zacchaeus just aren't getting open right now. I mean, Zacchaeus was open on a few plays that Ritter missed, so I'm not trying to throw him under the bus. I still think he's a guy you'd like to bring back, but 
just right outside of Drake London right now, there's just nobody really making plays in the passing game. Um, and it, it's making things really difficult. And to be fair, like the, the offensive line pass blocking was not good today. Um, now, I think the Cardinals deserve a lot of credit. Vance Joseph knew he was down multiple starters in the secondary. So he dialed it up. He, they brought pressure. They crowded the line of scrimmage. They made things very difficult for the run game uh, and for, for Ritter, who was facing pressure constantly. Um, so props, I mean, I think Vance Joseph called a great game on defense that really helped sort of cover up their limitations at corner. Because I think if Ritter had clean pockets, this could have been a massacre. I think he's been perennially underrated as a defensive coach, Vance Joseph. Like He's one of those coaches that should just stay as a DC. So yeah, I think yeah. he's had that defense overachieving. And I, this was just the worst time to have Matt Hennessy a left guard because Matt Hennessy <laughs> always has just communication. Not, he issues. can't pass protect. He just can't. Yeah. Um, and and he was he was a great run blocker today, but true. Yeah. It and it goes beyond JJ Watt bullying. Look, JJ Watt's gonna bully a lot of people. It's just there's just times where especially if they run twists, like he just never seems to make the right decision. Like him yeah. and Dalton at times just he was he was getting beat one way or he wasn't picking up his time another way. It's just you're just a liability there. If you can't pass block in this league, you're just not going to be a starter. I don't care how good of a run block you are. Yeah. And you know, the, the Falcons are working with a complete turn style at left guard right now. Like every time Elijah Wilkinson seems to get his footing back, he just gets hurt again. It's, yeah. it's tragic. Um, mm-hmm. But you know, I, I, Matt Hennessy, like he's a good run blocker. Maybe that's what they need to win games right now. But I mean, I, I think we've seen more from Colby Gossett, honestly. Um, but yeah, I mean, they certainly do need an infusion on the interior. Like Chris Lindstrom's awesome, but like center is a, is a problem. I don't care what anyone says about Drew Dahlman. I'm not, I'm not going into 2023 with him as my starter. I'm just not going to do that. Like he, he just sure, has these moments okay. as a run blocker. Yeah. But he does. Just, he's not, like, yeah. He's a backup is what he is. Like he is your primary interior backup and that's, that's what he is. And a spot starter. Sure. And that's he can have a long NFL career as that type of player. Like they're there and for the fourth round pick, that's still a good pick. Like yeah. anyone that contributes in a meaningful way is a good fourth round pick. Any day three picks in general. So like I'm not trying to crap on Dalman, but there's no way that's what you want from your center. You you want so much. I mean, think about what Alex Mack brought to this offense and with how <laughs> important this running game is. The Falcons would be fools to not try to get to that. Like, there's no way this offense becomes great without a great without a center that's better than Drew Dalman. So I I, mm. I do fir- firmly believe that center is a primary need next year, more than left guard, because I think they've shown they can get by with left guard being sort of meh. Like it's okay as long as that left guard can uh, can run block, then it's fine. But Center, I I just don't think you can cheap out at center. Like, and and it's not a great free agent class, so unfortunately, I think they're going to be back in the draft looking for a center. But it's a great center class in the draft. So, um, but uh, I did want to get to one uh, donation real quick, guys. Uh, We are running the Senior Bowl donation uh, drive here. So if you're interested in asking a question, donate at streamlabs.com/slash/thefalcoholic/slash/tip. It's all going to our Senior Bowl travel fund. Uh, We appreciate everyone. For contributing to that thanks guys so much uh ray moon with the five dollars thank you so much ray he says all right defensive line or db um i mean i'm definitely f- favoring the defensive lineman but depending on where the falcons are drafting if if it's like the third edge or the the second or third defensive tackle versus the number one corner i think you take the corner and i think you're probably pretty happy with that um but that but then you have to go hard at the defensive line in free agency and later in on day two but 
you know, I, I think you, you're probably okay taking the best player of, of either of those positions. But what do you think about that, Alan? Yeah, I don't want to use the, the dreaded three letters BPA, but it, I do think you'd have to assess the talent and what's the best fan. We also have to see what happens in free agency. But yeah, it just look up front. It's got, it has to be a priority. Like you want to see yeah. some high end talent there just, just because like, it's it just painful to watch. Like Ebby Ketty, like he's anonymous. Malone's not getting much reps. It's just, this it seems like you got to give him more than one year, of course, but just for the fact that this draft class of edge rushers hasn't really flashed this year is hugely disappointing. And you've got Lorenzo Carter playing 60 snaps a game. It's just, it's a nightmare right now. So at some point, just like, can you get someone that's truly high end, someone that, whether it's a huge prospect or a free agent that will, I know it's not great free agent class for edge rushers from what I've seen, but you know, just someone that I think you could put the onus on where just like, okay, you're going to be the driving force behind their pressure. You know, that's yeah. what they need at this point. Like it's just the whole complimentary pieces. Like, yeah, you need complimentary pieces, but, but this team needs a true alpha at, you know, whether it's edge rusher or even inside as well. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree. Like, I mean, I'm definitely leaning more towards the defensive line as more mm-hmm. likely to be the pick, but if they're picking like right now, they're picking at seven. Um, so and I, I, if if the Bucks play their starters, I don't think the Falcons are going to win next week. Let's be honest. But um, they could. Well, always why rest why would they play the starters at this I'd, point? I'd, because that team is awful, and they need to try to build some sort of momentum going in the playoffs. And but. and Brian Bowles, <laughs> Brian Bowles, Todd Bowles. I don't know where I got Brian Bowles from. Uh, Todd Bowles is, I guess, capable of making some pretty questionable decisions. Yeah. So we'll see. But uh, yeah, I mean, uh, this Falcons team, like they, you know. Even if they win that game, I think the lowest they can pick is 10th. So, like, in that range, it's entirely possible that you see, like, three or four edge guys go and, like, two to three defensive tackles, probably two. Um, So, I think it's very likely that you get to pick, you know, eight, nine, whatever, um, and Joey Porter Jr. or, like, Christian Gonzalez is, is there, and it's like, well, this is the best corner in the draft, so let's just go with this guy and give us an elite corner duo. Um, And I think you're pretty happy with that. Um, and I mean, they, they need a blue chip player. I don't care who it is. Just get one. Um, you know, I'd rather you take a blue chip player at a position of slightly lesser value than take a mediocre player or just an average starter with that pick. So go get your, your blue chip guy. And, Cause that's what this team needs. They need stars. They need talent. They need to something to get this team at a talent level. That's somewhat comparable with other NFL teams, especially on the defensive side of the ball. So let's, let's see how it goes, but uh, that's sort of where I'm leaning. Um, We got Nico with the $1. Thank you so much, Nico. He says, is Arthur Smith the problem when it comes to incorporating guys like Calvin Ridley and Alameda Zacchaeus into a passing offense? P.S. Happy New Year to everyone at the Falcoholic. That's a Um, good question. Yeah. I mean, I think with Calvin Ridley, they tried to utilize him in a certain way that Ridley didn't really gel with at all. I don't know if that's Arthur Smith's fault for trying to peg Ridley in, into a square hole or if Ridley wasn't really open to playing that role that he, and he could have succeeded there. Like, I don't know. That's tough to answer. But Zacchaeus, I think, was having a pretty darn good season um, with Mariota as like a complimentary option. So I, I think he's successfully incorporated Zacchaeus into the passing game. Ridley, he hasn't. But what, what do you think, Alan? Uh, Ridley, definitely just too many in-breaking, too many slants. Like, it just seemed like he wanted to use really like AJ Brown and proved to be a disaster and look really was going through his own tribulations. So, you know, there's maybe times where the drops were more 
mental errors than actually being scared of contact. But look, it's not right to make assumptions. It just it just didn't look right. Uh, with Zacchaeus, I don't know. I just think Zacchaeus is kind of a complimentary player at this point, but he's yeah. definitely something that can be utilized more. It's just with these with these five foot nine, five foot ten receivers, it's just you kind of want to run them on ISO routes, things that are outside of numbers. Like you really don't want these guys running big, you know, dig routes or slant routes. Like they can run maybe you know drags, like you know do something that's underneath, but to put them fifteen yards and then middle of the field, it's just like. You're asking for trouble because, like, Zacchaeus, he can make tough catches, but I wouldn't bet on him to make contested catches all the time. And really, he was never the greatest contested catch guy. You just want to utilize these guys' speed and route running abilities. You know, why do that, you know, across the middle of the field uh, on such a consistent basis? So I just think you got to look at the receivers and know how to utilize their skill set. And, you know, I do think Arthur Smith has, in a way, kind of fallen short in that at times. But look, he runs his own offense. We know that. And, you know, you saw in Tennessee, he had those big bodies. That's why. It wouldn't shock me if, like, they signed Corey Davis. I think Corey Davis, if I can make a prediction, he'll be a Falcon next year. Corey Davis, all right. Good good prediction there. Because he's definitely not staying in New York because his contract is crazy. And yeah. He's, yeah. he's a bit injury prone. He is, yes. I mean, I, I wouldn't be surprised if we do see a, a, a wide receiver come in. And I, I think we'll definitely get to some free agency draft talk on the show. It is inevitable considering the time of year that it is. Uh, but yes. great question there, Nico. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I think offensively, like, I think Ritter, this this was what Ritter needed to sort of keep him starting in 2023 alive. Like, he needed to win this game, and he needed to show some, something. And I think he did. So, um, I, I think this is, if you're really high on Ritter, this was sort of the minimum <laughs> that he needed to show. But I think it's enough to keep that dream alive. Um, and he'll have an opportunity again next week, and we'll see if the Bucks play their starters or not. But, um, you know, we'll see what happens. Uh but I, I liked Ritter's performance today. I thought it was it was good enough. I, there were some just great throws. That that that's what you want to see, really. Like we know the passing game is limited. There's really only Drake London out there, and the, the offensive line is not pass protecting well. So it's really a question of like, well, can he show us enough flashes that it's like this is translatable when we get better pieces around him? And I, I think the answer was yes today, and against yeah. Baltimore too. You know, Baltimore they got really hosed by the officials, but. Um, they did today too. So that's two two weeks Oof. in a row. Ritter's had I think touchdowns wiped off the board. But that Baltimore um, game was criminal activity. Yeah, it was egregious. Uh, I'm glad I wasn't watching it live because I would have been so pissed. Oh um, man, was I was on a flight. Thank God. But um, <laughs> but yeah, let's let's talk about Tyler Algier once again okay. coming through. Twenty for eighty three and a touchdown. Not his highest yards per carry, just four point two. But I mean, may, just this man is really is is showing that he's it like he mm-hmm. looks better than Cordero Patterson like I mean it, it he's he's showing natural receiving ability soft hands he's not a dynamic runner in terms of his explosiveness or long speed but he's dynamic enough to make to, to rattle off these 10 plus yard runs um and that's really all you need at running back in the NFL I mean he doesn't have the home run speed but other than that he's showing everything you possibly want to see uh, so what do you think about, about Tyler Algier so far, uh, Alan? That's what I mentioned. This is, I'm a, I, I'll, you know, we could cover this, but fortunately I do have to head out a little earlier. Yeah, so yeah. I just want to mention that, but I uh, definitely want yeah. to talk about Algier though, because he, yeah, yeah, real quick. I know you got to take off human, yeah. human wrecking machine. Like, yeah. And I think what's also most impressive, I didn't know how elusive he was. Like you saw that check down where he didn't have to power through him like multiple times, just using that lateral agility and just shed two tackles to make it like, you know, what could have been just a one-yard check down into an eight-yard catch. Like, those are the types of small plays that you have to admire. And for someone that was phrased as this two, 
down, power back. Like, no, he's showing to be a complete well-rounded back, someone that can contribute to the passing game, someone that can handle blitz pickups. So there's there's definitely more to his game than just you know being that punishing running back, which we know we all love. But and you know, it seems like I think I don't know where he ranks by. No, he's averaging more than three point five yards per contact. Uh, yeah. per carry per contest so it's just like he's like even i think against new orleans it was like 5.5 some absurd rate so he's just someone that's just you could just tell his confidence is sky high right now and his vision's there and look there were some wide open lanes like well I, if you watch like both of us we could have been getting into end zone like there were some huge holes but i love yeah. what he's doing after contact and i just love you know open field you could you know you have confidence in him to make something even more of what's there which is what you want to see from your one yeah, absolutely. And just having a great season. But yeah, Alan, I know you have to take off, so I will let you plug your stuff real quick. He's Alan Sturk at Alan Sturk on Twitter. Alan, anything you'd like to plug before you take off? Uh, no, I'm in like creation mode. So a creation, not Croatia. <laughs> I'm in like, I got to create because like right now, like we're in a weird time. So it's yeah. just like, you got to try to think of ideas. But uh, next week for sure, we will, you know, we will sign off the season properly. We'll do an hour long show. Uh, just <laughs> New Year's right now is a little hectic for me. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm not sure right now. I'll have something this week, though. That's okay. all I can Sounds great. Well, thank you so much for coming yeah. on, Alan. Appreciate it. Thanks, you. guys. Have a good one. All right, guys. Well, now you're just stuck with me for the rest of the show. But yes. Uh, so. I, I definitely want to give props to Tyler Algier. He's at, I think, 900 yards on the dot now. Uh, he's got one more game. So he'd have to get 100 yards to get to the 1,000-yard mark, which I think is certainly doable for him. I mean, it's a lot. Um, you know, he'd have to have a good game against the Bucks, who are no slouches against the run. Um, but I do think that he's got a pretty good chance of getting there. Um, and you know, I, I hope that they're able to make that happen for him, particularly if the bucks do, uh, pull their starters because the bucks, they've been solid against the run, but they're, they're still allowing four and a half yards per carry. So, um, you know, in total yards, they're pretty average, but it, this is, a, this is an opponent that you could potentially do that against. And Algier has only one game over 100 yards, but he does have a game of 99 yards. And, a couple of good ones here. And the Falcons have continued to up his carries every single week. Um, so from weeks 12 on, he's had 11 carries, 10 carries, then 17, 18 last week, now 20 this week. So I think for sure he's got a good chance to get to 1,000 to break the Falcons' rushy, uh, rookie rushing record that William Andrews currently holds. He'd need to get 124 yards exactly. Um, again, if he has a great game, it's certainly within the realm of possibility that's fewer yards than his his biggest game this year, which of course was 139. But he'd have to have his like second best game of the year to make, to hit that mark. But it's it's not out of the out of the uh, realm of reasonable there with Algier. But him emerging as as a great runner, a great running back, someone that can be your running back one. I think it's really beneficial for this Falcons offense and for the team building because you don't necessarily need to go out and, and get an impact runner. I think you can rely on Algier to be that guy for you and just sort of make some smaller moves there. Um, and that's what I would prefer. Uh, you know, I, I really don't think they need to go draft Bijan Robinson. I mean, he's a, he's a great player. And if they have, if they have a really specific role for Bijan where he's going to play receiver too, and they're going to really use him uniquely like that, that's the only way I could get on board with it. 
But if he's just a running back, it's like, I don't, even if he's a great running back, how much does that really move the needle for this team? They've had great rushing all season and it hasn't resulted in a lot of wins for them. So, um, Bijan's a really special player who's really good. So I don't want to denigrate Bijan, but he's not going to be on my top 10, I imagine, um, for the Falcons in terms of targets. In terms of overall player talent, he might be. But there's also so many good running backs in free agency. They're going to be really cheap. They're going to be really cheap. Like, you can get a lot of these guys for minimum amounts of money and have a serviceable rotational guy because Caleb Huntley is probably going to miss at least the first few weeks, maybe the first month, maybe more with his injury. Um, so you probably need someone else in here other than Patterson, who's still under contract, uh, to carry the load. I mean, maybe they bring back Damian Williams for another run. Maybe they go out and sign one of these guys to, to an affordable deal. Um, I don't think they're going to spend a lot of money to do it, but I, I think you, they could also just throw a dart at like a seventh round running back. Like I, uh, like an Anaya Smith or something, or wh- whoever you want, you know, there, there's guys out there that I think could be, uh, Devin, Devin Akane, uh, at chain, whatever from Texas A&M. I like him a lot, you know, as like a day three guy. So maybe you go that route. Don't spend a premium pick because we, like we know this team really needs to <laughs> invest in the trenches, especially the defensive line, because I, I just don't think the offense is like they can take you so far, but without a significant upgrade on the defensive line, it's just not going to really happen for you. So, um, yeah, at this point, um, for the Falcons, I, I wanted to give you guys a check in on where they are in terms of the draft. Um, and like I said, this one win doesn't really change anything for them. Um, the Falcons are picking seventh. They were picking sixth before today. Doesn't really change much for this team. Um, if the Rams were to somehow pull off the upset today uh, against the Chargers, then the Falcons would be back to picking sixth again, so they wouldn't even move at all. If the Bucks don't play their starters next week, there's a good chance the Falcons win that game, which, you know, is not great. But I think literally the... I don't think the Falcons get lower than 10. I, I just don't see it happening. Um, the only team with seven wins that has uh, a strength of schedule even remotely close to Atlanta's is Seattle. They have a .466. Atlanta also has a .466, but the thing is, if the Falcons win, um, they will reduce their strength of schedule by giving a loss to, to the team they're playing. So that'll probably counteract things, and I would I would suspect that the Falcons will probably wind up uh, at ninth or 10th at worst. So it's not, it's not the, the worst thing in the world. I mean, it, it's not, I know people were, were hopeful for a top four pick, but it's just, it's not going to happen. I mean, I, I would, they would need a lot of teams to win. So realistically, they were probably looking at about the fifth or sixth pick, even if they lost to the Cardinals, I don't think they could do better than that fifth pick. I think, I don't think Chicago or Denver or Indianapolis are winning another game. So um, it's not a huge difference. Like I think getting in that top four was pretty meaningful, um, right? Because you have a legitimate shot at Will Anderson or Jalen Carter. But outside of that top four, uh, I just it's it's sort of a group of guys that I think are all pretty good. And as long as you draft one of those guys, I think I'd be pretty happy. And the mo- the most important thing now for this Falcons team is figuring out can Ritter do it? Is he the guy? Like is he enough of the guy? To, to make this work. Um, and ultimately, 
I think he's on the right traje- trajectory after this game. It's not a slam dunk, but if he comes out and lights up the Bucks backups and looks great, then it's like, okay, then we feel comfortable doing this. But like the biggest question for the Falcons right now is Ritter is, can he do it right? Can Ritter be the guy? And I, I think so far I've seen enough to be like, you know, I would strongly consider giving him the chance. Um, I think he's shown enough in a bad situation. So right now, that's where I'm leaning. If he looks terrible against the Bucks backups next week or the Bucks stars or whatever, then I think, you know, you have to change your calculus a little bit. But he did just enough today to sort of tilt the scales in his favor. Um, and if Ritter is the guy and you just need to go out and get a good veteran backup, um, that opens up so much for the rest of your roster. You can afford... Now you've got a rookie quarterback for three years. You can afford to spend this windfall of cap space to really flesh out everything around him. And, like, intellectually, I like that the most. You don't have to give up significant draft capital for Lamar Jackson. You don't have to trade up to get a quarterback in the draft. And you don't have to spend major money bringing in what is likely to be a sort of mediocre veteran that's probably going to be a fringe top 15 quarterback um so i think that what you want is for ritter to show enough the uh, next week that that you can be like okay we need to at least give him a chance and we'll bring in like a good veteran backup like we mentioned colt mccoy right i can't remember if he's a free agent or not but um someone that's you know uh let's see I know Dave, Dave Choate's a fan of Daniel Jones um, as a potential guy. I think he makes sense. I think like a Jacoby Brissett, though he may get starter money somewhere. Um, Case Keenum is a solid veteran backup that has a lot of experience. I wouldn't be opposed to that at all if he doesn't go back to Buffalo. Um, you know, I think Kyle Allen of the Texans is a, is a solid backup that sort of a scheme fit here. Um, you know, we'll, we'll have to see. There's definitely some cheaper guys too. Um, but I think ultimately you're just hoping to get somebody reliable behind Ritter, someone that can help teach him the ropes and and be a backup in case he ever would have to miss time. But, um, yeah, that, that's sort of where I am. And that's what I want to see at this point. Um, and the, and like, you know, Dr. Slick, I think, um, I think that if Lamar Jackson, it's clear that he is available on the trade market that like everyone, everyone with a brain is going to try to get Lamar Jackson. Um, They'd be fools not to at least look into it. I I ultimately think the price will be too high for them to really do it. I think someone else will be more desperate, just like the Browns were. Look how well that's working out for them. Um, So I think ultimately you sort of... You're probably going to miss out on them. Even if he comes available, you're probably going to miss out on him to somebody else. um, Because I think the Falcons will sort of have a firm ceiling for how much they're willing to offer. But other than that... um, I, I mean, if Ryan Tannehill gets cut, I think there's a pretty good chance he ends up in Atlanta. I don't think the Falcons are going to trade for him or anything like that, but I know everyone hates that, but I think I think Ryan Tannehill, if he does end up signing here, it's either going to be as Ritter's backup or as the starter, but I think it'll be clear which one it is when he signs. It'll either be that Ritter sort of flops next week and we're like, okay, we can't do this, and then they bring in Tannehill to be the starter, or maybe Tannehill doesn't get a lot of interest after being cut reunites with Arthur Smith because he he thinks he might have a chance to get back on the field and have a great season. Um, You know, 
I, I think Ryan Tannehill ending up in Atlanta as Rivers' backup is probably like the best case scenario for this team um, because Tannehill is a perfectly capable starter that could step in if needed. That's a great backup situation. I don't know if he would agree to do that. I, he's probably going to want too much money. I think some team could give him a contract, but the equalizer could be Tannehill has looked like a great quarterback with Arthur Smith and no one else. So if he wants, if the most important thing to him is having a chance to reunite with Smith, and if he does end up on the field, that he could re- resurrect his career with another great season in relief, which is how he originally started with the Titans, um, then that could be the great equalizer because those relationships are so key, not just in the NFL, but everywhere, but especially when trying to sign free agents in the NFL. And the Falcons have enough money to potentially give Tannehill like 10, 12 million or whatever, if that's what he he wants to be one of the best backups in the NFL. Wouldn't necessarily hate it, but it, it you know, we'll have to see. We'll have to see what, what the Falcons do and how Ritter plays this last week. Um, all right. So, I know... We have a lot of draft and free agency questions. You guys already know my thoughts on center, right? Um, I think this game was another example of like, Drew Dahlman just, I don't think he's it. Like, I, I think he's a fine top backup. That if he has to come in and start for, for you know, half a season or a few games, you're perfectly happy with what he's going to give you. He's not going to tank your offense. He's going to be fine. Um, but you you need more. Like, that from your starter, you need more. At Center is so important. I think it's criminally underrated by the NFL at large as being so important to an offense, to the, to the the way the whole unit functions. And I think if you have a below average center or just an average center, it just caps the ceiling of your offensive line so much. And to me, I would I would spend big or get a good or or spend a premium draft pick like that second round pick to get. To get a, a a top center in here, because that I think you you nail that spot, and this offensive line becomes like the best offensive line in the NFL. Like I think if you can nail down center with a like if they happen to get Creed Humphrey, for example, you know, going to keep bringing that up. Um, I think this would be like considered one of the best offensive lines in football. They'd be a lot better at pass protecting and picking up those blitzes, which has really been what's killed them. I don't think straight up. They've just been getting dominated. I think they just don't handle blitzes well. They don't communicate well. The protections aren't on point. I think it's a lot to expect Ritter to be able to do that at this point. Like, that, they're probably going to need to rely on the center to be able to handle that. Um, so I, I think we need to upgrade that spot. That That's going to be a big um, point of emphasis for me. I'm going to really pound the table for that in the draft. Or free agency, but it, again, it's not a good free agency class. I suspect Ethan Pochick's going to get... Uh, an enormous contract as like the top free agent center. Um, and, and I just don't think he's worth it. I think he's been fine. I I think he's been pretty good this year, but overall it hasn't been great. So if they are going to spend, that would be the guy that I would say go for, but I I just, I would rather draft like a John Michael Smith's, uh, a Cedric Van Pran. If he comes out, I know, uh, Aaron Freeman's a fan of, of Luke Whippler. Um, so, you know, this is a very good deep center class. I think you can get some good guys, but um, I would uh, I would love that. And Doctor Doctor Ganja, nice name. Um, yeah, uh, Schmitz is going either late first, early second. I guarantee it. Um, like like Schmitz is is the top, maybe the top interior lineman in this class. Depending, I think if you're a power scheme, maybe you have 
Osiris Torrance a little bit higher. But if you're not a, a pure power scheme, and the Falcons are not for for reference, um, then I think you probably have Schmitz higher. And Schmitz is definitely big enough to play guard too. So um, I love John Michael Schmitz. I think I think he's a, a potential Pro Bowl center. Um, I think Cedric Van Pran is a very good center too. So he's somebody that I like. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I, that's a big point of emphasis for me. You guys know how big a point of emphasis the the defensive line is. That's gonna that's not gonna change. That's gonna be the top. Um, that's gonna be the top need, bar none. Corner, you know, if you listen to my my show a couple days ago, you know, sort of talking about their needs. Um, you know, I haven't really budged off that based on this game. I, I do think a, a getting another corner in here is important. A tops like a a really good safety is really important. Multiple defensive linemen, an edge, like another edge, like they they really need that. Um, yeah, and, and Doctor again, like trading down in the first could be an option. Like if someone's trying to move up, like say the Falcons are picking seventh, right or sixth. And someone's looking to get Will Levis because I think the Panthers are probably going to try to trade up for one of the top two quarterbacks. The Falcons could be sitting there at six or seven with Will Levis still on the board, and we could have you know potential opportunity to trade down um, in that situation, right? So that that could be one to monitor. Um, you know, like Washington's definitely one to watch. You know, Green Bay I think is a sneaky team for quarterback. You know, they they definitely have Aaron Rodgers for a few more years, but he's slowing down. Um, the Jets, you know, are they going to roll with Mike White, really? Um, you know, Seattle, are they committed to Geno Smith? Um, so, you know, we'll see. But th- there's definitely some potential, you know, Tampa Bay. I mean, the Falcons are going to trade with them. But, um, you know, there's definitely some some potential opportunities to trade down if the Falcons are in about the same spot they are now. Um, but, yeah, I mean, the, not not a whole lot more to hit on term in terms of this game. Um I think the special teams deserves a lot of credit. You know, that blocked punt was absolutely crucial. Uh, they scored a touchdown on the very next play. That was huge for them. Um, I think that they had good coverage all game. Young Waiku was great. Bradley Pinion's punt, uh, that was beautiful. Uh, I, I don't remember a better punt than that. Um, and, I mean, I've seen a lot of punts. That was absolutely perfect. 62-yard punt. Skips out right at the one. I mean, you you can't draw it up any better than that. Uh, pay that man. Get him back in Atlanta in 2023. No questions asked. Um, just a thing of beauty, Bradley Pinion, on that punt. Just all the props in the world to that man um, for that play. Just a tremendous one. Um, Pinion's just going to be 29 in 2023. Same age as Young Wei Koo. That could be a long-term pairing. I love it. Uh, let, let's Pinion, you've earned it, buddy. You've punted very well this season the special teams for Atlanta has largely been on point all year they were they played a big role in this one too um big props to to Pinion to Koo and to to Marquise Williams for for putting this together I think this is a uh, a very good special teams unit very sound and um it's something that will matter a lot when they get the rest of this roster up to up to speed having that great special teams, it will be the equalizer. It will be uh, an advantage that they can carry into the the more competitive games that they'll face, that they can really rely on having a, a top tier special teams unit. Um, and, and don't discount that. I think that that is something meaningful. They've, they've managed to put this together. That's why I think guys like Kadero Hodge and Mike Ford could definitely come back. Um, you know, Kadero Hodge, I think has been a really good special teamer. Um, and a solid receiver too. So I think they've done a great job putting this special teams unit together. 
with the limited resources they've had, they've they've been able to nail that down, and I think um, that's something they should continue to keep 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 pounding. You know, not not Panthers pounding, but you know, keep keep making that one of your pri- primary things that you do because every you know every team's got to play special teams, and a lot of teams ignore it. The Falcons have not, and I think it shows uh, that they have an excellent special team unit here in Atlanta in 2022. Um, But that's pretty much going to do it for me tonight, folks. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, Please do like and subscribe if you haven't done so already. If you're watching the live show, those really help us out. Uh, If you're listening to the podcast audio, leave us that five-star review if you enjoyed today's show. Going to have a bit of of a different schedule here over the final week of the season because I will be traveling starting on Wednesday. So there will be no Falcoholic Live on Wednesday, there will also be no post-game show live because, like I said, I will be out of town and indisposed for Week 18. Um, I'll definitely try to tweet some takes out, but there won't be a post-game show immediately following that game. We will have a show early in the week, a podcast. We will also have a game preview for the Bucks. But uh, I'm, I'm, you know, with the Falcons eliminated from the playoffs, I'm taking my vacation. You know, this week. This is the cheap week to travel, folks. For those that don't know. Um, So uh, there won't be live shows this week, but we will have some recorded episodes for you to get you through till I get back after week 18. And then we'll dive headfirst into the offseason, into the Senior Bowl, into the draft and free agency. So uh, if you're interested in helping us out with the aforementioned Senior Bowl fund, you can donate at streamlabs.com slash thefalcoholic slash tip. You can also donate on Venmo by going to my Twitter, which is at FalcoholicKevin. Thank you so much for that. If you're interested in supporting the show on a monthly basis, getting access to some exclusive perks, including the early podcast audio to this and all episodes uh, ad-free as well, you can go to patreon.com slash FalcoholicLive to sign up. Uh, We really appreciate all of you supporting us there on Patreon. Again, guys, thank you so much for tuning in, celebrating. What could be the last Falcons dub of the year? Uh, but hey, the Falcons are undefeated in 2023, so we can always hold on to that, right? Um, tremendous stuff, guys. So thanks, everyone, for watching. We'll see you next time on the Falcoholic Live. Enjoy your New Year's Day, and we will see you next time.